Prepare to take your original music to the next level with expert services in audio mastering and music mixing from Midnight Mastering. With over 25 years in the industry, you know your music is in the best hands and ears. Let Midnight Mastering take your music from this to this. Whether you need your latest musical masterpiece professionally mixed or mastered, or even both, leave it to Midnight Mastering. For fast turnarounds, affordable rates, and more information, head to MidnightMastering.com. My gut reaction is to leap onto the keyboard thinking that I could spread and stop the keyboard from falling down. Like, I, I go onto the side and stop it. I jump on and I ride, I bodyboard surf it all the way down the whole escalator. Hello and welcome to the Keyboard Chronicles, a podcast for keyboard players. I'm your host, David Holloway, and I'm pumped as always to be here with you. Um, I'm flying solo. Paul is again a busy musician, just the way we all like it. So I hope you're doing well, Paul. Uh, and I'm thrilled to bits to announce our guest for this episode. So Mr. Kevin Gastongwe is an amazing player. A lot of you will already know Kevin's work uh, as as keyboard player with Corey Wong. Um, but as you'll hear, he's done a way, way lot more than that. Some amazing solo albums, a whole bunch of great bands within the Minneapolis scene. Uh, we talk about it all, and um, I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment from what is a modest but brilliant player. So yeah, hope you enjoy it, and I'll talk to you after the show. Kevin, cannot thank you enough. We often thank our guests for giving up their time, but particularly a Saturday night. And what oh, yeah. I imagine in your case is a precious Saturday night where you're not out playing. No, not tonight. <laughs> That's right. So, no, great to have you on board. And um, I thought we'd kick off. You, you have had a, a somewhat busy year, so I thought we'd start off with just what, how's your last 12 months been? It, it, from, from what I'm seeing, you've been very, very busy. You've been to Europe. You've done a whole bunch of things. Just give us a potted history of the last 12 months. Yeah, I guess last 12 months we've done, I guess, uh, played with Corey Wong for uh, maybe six, seven months out of the out of 12, I guess. It's been uh, two month-long U.S. tours, East Coast and West Coast. We've done um, two Europe trips, one uh, doing in the summer doing festivals uh, like Macho Jazz Fest, uh, some of these awesome European festivals that I've always wanted to play. Um we made it over to uh, Jakarta, Indonesia, Thailand, Japan, uh, Hawaii, and then a full. I just got home uh, like last week from a, a month long bus Europe bus tour with Corey. Uh, we were playing clubs, so now it's a little bit later on. Um, so yeah, Europe twice. We did two Asia trips, and uh, and then just yeah, a ton of U.S. festivals. So it was kind of all summer, really. Um, yeah spring yeah it just kind of it just kind of bled into you know one tour after another it was it's pretty pretty wild uh got some time to hang in some of these spots so that was that was really cool but uh yeah just really been touring um yeah just touring a ton yeah Uh, got some off time now um i moved to nashville so uh two months ago wow so Right in between uh, tours, basically, 
got got home uh my wife and i packed up the house uh we had i had one weekend off and we in that in that weekend like i guess it would be uh maybe 10 days or whatever from like monday to the ne- the following thursday or whatever we we packed up and moved to nashville so why the move to nashville aside from some very obvious reasons about it being one of the musical capitals of the world but yeah what what brought on the move to nashville well i guess i am uh i'm from minneapolis um i've lived there nearly my entire life and uh so is my wife and we i've been touring a ton and kind of feels like i'm less and less a part of that scene like it's definitely my home and i I love minneapolis and actually i loved playing there Uh, i i would i would absolutely move back any day it's great but um just looking for something new um i've met a lot of people in nashville over the last six or seven years as since we've been touring a lot with Corey, uh we've got a lot of ties in nashville so i've i've met a lot of different keyboardists here and i've always been in i I just i like the scene and uh, i'm you know just not getting any younger and figured let's just try something let's and i have i have my main gig so the the move won't be so difficult as in like plugging in and like building up the grind a little bit why i'm available right now is because right now i'm just at home doing uh studio work and lessons gigging a little bit you know but i just moved here and, I, and i've been out of town most of the time so so we just got done with basically the whole year of touring and now i have two to three months where we're not going off for an extended period of time so now it's been just meeting people and it's been super cool like i've i've loved it uh, so far, it's been really cool, but uh, definitely a huge life change. Um, so, yes. no, but that's I got, I, I'm super psyched. I got my studio and I, I, I can, I got my uh, organ and Leslie and mics and I'm like recording organ at my own place now for the first time. So like not doing digital and it feels really good. Really, that's that's brilliant, and we'll definitely be getting you to do a tour of what's behind you later on. Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Minneapolis, as you said you grew up in in that area, and you played yep. in a lot of bands, which I probably want to cover later as well. But just tell us about your initial musical upbringing. What you know, what was young, you know, Kevin like as far as getting into <laughs> music, and what you know, did, did you love it from the get go, or it was a bit yeah. of a learning curve for you? I think I loved it. Oh, I loved it from the get go, uh, maybe because I. Uh, well, for obvious reasons, music's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing, but, um, I showed aptitude early on. So, you know, I, you feel I was good at it as in, I could, uh, I could play by ear, um, really well as a child. Um, the, the story goes that my mom will say is, uh, I have two older brothers and they, they, uh, were taking piano lessons and I would, um, when I was four, I would listen to them do the lesson and then I would go up to the piano and play their lesson back by ear or whatever. And then once I got old enough, six or seven, they got me into piano lessons. So I, I liked it cause I, I felt like I was good at it and it was, it was super fun. Um, I loved figuring out stuff by ear. Um, and it's just always been a, a puzzle and a challenge. And, uh, it's like, and you know, you get better and better at it as you get older, but, um, I, I've always had a little bit of a knack. So it, it was, um, so I loved it from the start. Basically, Ever since I was, I don't know, like third or fourth grade, I was just, I, I've known I've always wanted to be a musician. Um, I didn't know what that would be. Uh, I, my, my parents were very encouraging. Um, 
for for following your passion and stuff and so that was really great but um didn't really know anything about the music scene um until i was much older really um so uh just played uh took piano lessons and got into uh drumline drum lessons uh doing a playing drum set uh my brothers we'd play like a family band thing i'd play drums we'd just be playing covers and stuff and uh so i have a lot of percussion background um got really into snare and four mallet and rimba um and that took me through high school and then college i was just like nah piano is my passion i'm gonna go after it and once i got through um once i got into college um, started meeting actual musicians and other musicians. And, you know, I'd been, um, you know, learning jazz and stuff and getting into, I, I had a couple good mentors. Um, I switched piano teachers when I was in sixth grade and he was happened to be a jazz pianist. So that was, I kind of got a little bit of a, a, a preview, but I still was just young and I didn't know really what, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't know anything, you know, uh, but once I got into the, the actual scene of the Minneapolis scene, then, um, that's where I, uh, started getting direction, you know, with what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, no, that's great. And, and, and you, you mentioned the Minneapolis scene, which for someone like me down in Australia, obviously are aware of a Minneapolis scene from the, the stereotypes around Prince and all that, that stuff. Yep. But obviously there's a much bigger scene that tell us about the music scene in Minneapolis and just how diverse it is. Yeah, actually, it's a really cool music scene. Um, what it is, it's been hard to, um, or as I've gotten older and as I've visited other cities and talked to other people, I feel like I've had a better idea of what it is because you're in, I've been inside it for so long. You don't really realize what it's like. Um, but it's, it's Minneapolis, um, if uh, geographically is a little bit further away from a lot of other cities. It's kind of the furthest northwest uh main city before you hit uh the west and uh like yeah just the, the way the united states is kind of built so it's it's a little bit six chicago six hours away that's kind of the main biggest city and so it's you're a little isolated um but with that i feel like it's brought a lot of brought a lot of risk takers and people kind of just doing whatever we want there's not a lot of say uh like industry um or like uh, people, young people moving to Minneapolis to, to, to make it, or, you know, there's not like tours coming out of it really. Um, but there's great players. There's a diverse music scene because, you know, it, it's just, everyone just kind of does whatever they want. Um, there's a great free jazz scene. Um, there's a great hip hop scene, great indie scene. Um, it's, uh, you know, I guess funk and then obviously the, all the prints and all the funk scenes. So it's, 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 it's a huge, I guess, yeah. Funk scene, like all the, the old, the time, the Prince, Jimmy jam, all that stuff that, um, carried over still is. Um, when I say I got started getting to the Minneapolis scene, uh, what I'm talking about is really getting into, um, yeah. Meeting some of these cool jazz players, but a lot of it was all of the, the old Prince players, you know, I'm um, talking like Michael Bland, Sonny Thompson and uh, Tommy Barbarella uh, and all these. Uh, uh, you probably had Rick, Ricky Peterson maybe on this show. I don't know if you had him, but uh, like all these cats, they they schooled us, um, you know, at a, at a young age, I, I guess, or young 18 uh, growing up. And 
uh, that's a hu- huge part of my education has been playing with those guys and them just kicking our ass, you know, um, me and, and what I'm talking about is me and Corey and Pitar, the, the guys that play with, with Corey Wonk. So we all, um, are from there and well, not to mention, uh, for, for, in our band, uh, the horn players, uh, Michael Nelson is one of, one of Prince's horn rangers for 30 years. Yeah. And uh, Kenny Holman too. He was in New Par Generation. These guys, some of these, our horn players are former Prince alumni. Like, they did all these Diamonds and Pearls tours and stuff. And uh, so, there's a lot of that uh, that lineage um, in Minneapolis, and that that is it, it's still there, you know, even after the death. And it's been a lot of years. But um, if you play in town, you're gonna play with. Uh, Jelly Bean Johnson, love the time. Like all these guys are all around, and the the straight funk on the grid stuff. That's it's it's a thing, and I didn't really realize it as I was kind of getting into it. But um, that was uh, very formative for for me and and all all those guys. Um, it, it's it's wild. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's wild. and I, I think I think formative is the perfect word because. And funnily enough, um, we're having Morris Morris Hayes on the show in a, in a, nice. a few days, um, and it's it's about that discipline. It seems there are so many former Prince New Power Generation Revolution players right. around that it's that real discipline, which obviously Prince is a band leader drove. And I can tell your work with Corey and your solo work. There's such discipline, but also freeform to your playing. It has yeah. to have had an impact in that Minneapolis scene. Yeah, a, a ton, um, and especially yeah, part playing and um, we. Uh, I was there's a, a jam uh, at uh, this place called Bunkers, which is um, in Minneapolis. Uh, this band called Doctor Mom's Combo, uh, and that's where Prince famously got most of the New Power Generation guys when when he started the band um, from that band. And that band is still playing today. I I, I was a keyboardist for it for the last six years. Uh, ending like a year ago and and Pitar and Corey and we've all played in that band and basically at the direction of Michael Bland uh and Sonny and uh these and a bunch of really incredible older musicians that were playing all these b-side R&B tunes that we I would never I would never know I would never come across but playing um we every week so this is like a we play Sunday and Monday um so we played two nights a week, full four hour thing. And, uh, and it would be, you know, Prince would come and watch us sometimes and like really famous people that were in town, Roy Hargrove or people would come out and watch us play. And it was a really interesting to play like a cover in a cover group. Um, but in a very, like, as if we're playing a pop gig, like as if we're playing a, a like a, on a big stage, um, covering like, strings you know organ i'm bringing all my like all my stuff you know uh and doing it just as if i would like i I like a pro super pro gig but like every week and these guys are yelling at us about you know not you know hitting the wrong notes or you know uh michael bland's got perfect pitch and um he's telling me i'm hitting the minor third when i should be doing a sus you know or just schooling us you know um and uh it was uh the minneapolis is very at least some of that generation, they, they don't hold back, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun, you know, but what, what, what we've learned is, or, or what kind of how it is, is if they're yelling at you, that means they like you. That means they, they, they have a, you know, they think you can, you have promise or whatever. So it's like, you almost want to get yelled at. <laughs> yeah. You raise a great point there though, Kevin. So, I mean, every music scene definitely can be a hard, 
um, you know, r- road a hoe. But it's I can imagine there it would be particularly hard. So how did you cope in those early days? And I do want to go through some of those bands, including the one sure. you just mentioned. But how, how did you go? Did, have you ever had an issue with imposter syndrome like most people do? And it just how did you keep your confidence up? Oh, yeah. I feel like, honestly, uh, I feel that more and more. <laughs> you know, like as I as I'm around my heroes and we're playing we're opening or we're or they're we're on a bill with um, like over the last, you know, uh, six or so years, we've I've just met so many of them and played with. And it's just you get, you you know, when you're young, you know, you're, I say I'm I'm in uh, grade school and I'm like, I'm looking around. And I'm like, All right. You know, feeling good. And then you go to junior high and high school and you're like, right, I'm still feeling good. And then you. Now I'm in Minneapolis. Now I'm all right. I'm there. And now it's now it's just. And then you keep going. And now it's international or, or whatever. And you're these players are on the same. You're on the same uh, playing field as them. And it's just holy cow. And there's just so many people in the world. It's um, so I I feel that. Um, but I think for me it's just I try to stick with. I mean, I feel I I can uh, as long as I'm not doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. You know, I mean, I'm I'm all about taking risks, um, but you know, it's knowing what I'm confident in doing. Um, people try to prove to themselves or prove to the other people how good they are or whatnot. Um, what's what's your goal? Um, uh, if I'm if my goal is to play a gig well and to do the right job for the band, I'm not going to worry about imposter syndrome because I, I I'm I know what I'm doing and I know that I'm doing the right things and. Um, I, you know, it's easy to feel imposter when you think you're not as good, but if what I'm doing doesn't demand that, or, you know, maybe I have a solo and I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can do well. And as long as it's, it's a good tasteful thing, I guess, I guess it comes down to what your, uh, what your goals are. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your agenda, man? If you're playing something tasteful, it doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to, this guy could be, can do circles around me, but I can, I might play the, the better solo, uh, according to uh the you know uh, a producer a producer or something or you know uh of course the public might love the the flash you know i mean it just depends on who your audience is but you know i just feeling confident in what you're doing um is it in time okay sweet uh did it did i play the notes i wanted to play great um i mean that's it's about it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, um, that's right. No, I think it, it, I think that's a great perspective, Kevin. And and obviously, like anyone with imposter syndrome, it's not necessarily correct. And in your case, it's definitely not correct. I mean, a, a lot of most of our viewers and listeners will will absolutely be aware of your work. But for those that yeah. aren't, uh, we'll be linking in the show notes to some of Kevin's work, both solo and with Corey and other artists. And I mean, there are times over the last week, Kevin, where I've watched you solo some stuff and i mean i'm only a weekend warrior in a cover band so the bass is low but yeah. there's there is stuff where my jaws just dropped off guy and you can tell you <laughs> mentioned you. about your percussion your percussion background some of the yeah. stuff you do is just is beyond amazing so but yeah no, i think Thank that's you. a great perspective um so let's talk about some of those amazing bands in those early days so you've already mentioned it's dr mumbo's combo isn't it that's dr. That, Mumbo's yeah. combo. Yep. Yep. yeah um and yep. then um, another one nookie jones nookie jones yeah yeah, that, that tell, was. A, tell us about that. Yeah. Okay, that's a band uh, a bunch of friends of mine formed. Um, uh, we have a, a singer, Cameron Kinghorn, who uh, everyone. We made a band called Nookie Jones, and then everyone just assumed he's Nookie Jones, and that's. I would maybe been a 
uh, maybe the, the misjudged uh, that, you know, but uh, he ended up being that, but that wasn't the whole idea. Uh, um, but it was, um, we, oh, maybe we did five years, uh, did uh, two records. Um, we made some, it was like a, uh, like a neo soul funk band kind of inspired by like Jose James and like, I guess D'Angelo and like, uh, Erica Badu and, uh, heavily, uh, I'd be, I brought my Rhodes Mark II to every gig and like, uh, and my organ. And I was also playing like classic tones. Um, and it, uh, instrumentation was, uh, keys, bass, drums, electric bass, like, a uh, P bass and trumpet trombone. Uh, loud trumpet trombone players. So they sound like a big session and then a, a lead singer and uh very cool band, uh, no guitar player. So that actually had a lot of challenges um, where I kind of had a, well, I had more liberty to kind of do what I wanted harmonically. Uh, I could definitely explore a little bit more, um, but it was, uh, yeah, no guitar player, so, which is similar to the Jose jam. That's kind of why I brought it up that that same instrumentation that he has done in the past. That, I don't know if he still is, but um trumpet trombone uh roads and uh and a rhythm section uh nice. but um yeah we did we did a lot of stuff midwest um and uh did a lot of uh, big shows in in minneapolis and then um that band uh fell apart basically pandemic happened cameron has a great band called king perry um that he he moved out with um moved to la with his uh friend joe who uh they have like a duo King Perry is the name of the band. It's just a duo and they, um, uh, make produce music and, and uh, do a live duo show. It's really great. Um, but he moved to LA during the pandemic and then it's like, ah, we're not going to get a new singer. Our trumpet player then got a gig teaching college in Michigan. And it's just, I'd been touring more and more with Corey that also kind of led to kind of slowly stopping all my other side projects. Um, in Minneapolis, uh, another one being New Sound Underground, which is yeah, that was the next uh, one I was going to ask. Yes, okay, okay that, yeah, go into that. Yep, that's um, friends of my uh, and I started back in I think 2011 uh, under a different name, and then we uh, changed names uh, a couple years into it, and it was uh, very influenced by Lettuce, Snarky Puppy, uh, Roy Hargrove, uh, like uh, R.H. Factor stuff, um, trumpet, sax. Uh, and then a full rhythm section, keys, bass, drums, guitar, and instrumental. And uh, that's a band that uh, where I've put a lot of my heart and soul into uh, writing and arranging and, and really um, worked on all my writing and arranging chops. Uh, Nookie Jones as well, um, but uh, New Sound, uh, the stuff really translated to all the stuff I do with Corey and, and the stuff I write with Corey or whatever. Like this... Um, this is like the college funk band that, that uh, I feel like everybody has, like, like, you know, like I talk to people and it's like, everyone had a college funk band. This was, this was mine. And uh, we had a weekly gig. We played for two or three years we'd play like three hours and we would play all originals. And uh, it was uh, a few of us were writing music and we would just had tons and tons of tunes. We're, we're, we're young. We would, we would do a show, at least one show a week. And we would also, rehearse once or twice a week at like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. you know because we're just young and uh and it was it was awesome but we uh basically we always had music 
uh, at rehearsal, we just worked on new music. That's all we did. Um, I had enough music written that we would just go or trumpet player would or guitar player would. And we would just get together every week, two nights a week and, and work on arranging and writing music. And then, cause we'd have a gig every week at least, you know? Um, and uh, we got really tight over the years. Uh, we did, we did like Telluride Jazz Fest. We did Austin City, or we did South by Southwest. We, we, we did some, some national touring, uh, did a bunch of Colorado tours and, van stuff you know i'm talking sleeping <laughs> like getting one hotel room you know my hack would I'd, I'd always bring an air mattress and uh and just give up the bed or whatever like anyone could have i got my own thing i'm just gonna blow it up it's three in the morning and i'm blowing it up you know you y'all gotta you know you know so that was but that was like the grimy you know touring like the <laughs> classic stuff so we did a lot of years of that and that was i don't know that's 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 kind of that's some fun stuff you know i feel like that's kind of a that's part of it, you know. It is. <laughs> it is absolutely. And I, I like the idea of the air mattress because at least you know what you're getting every night. That's, that's exactly. I like that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Don't gotta worry. It's like, yeah, sure, I'll sleep wherever. Don't gotta worry about a bed, you know. I got my own thing. So that right, was, cool. Yeah, that's the move. At least you know at that age. But um, yeah, that and, was new sound was a huge. That was a very formative. Again, a formative uh, thing. Just writing original instrumental music. I've been a huge instrumental music guy. Uh, not that I'm against lyrics or anything, but I, I just, I've always, I just loved all the. I mean, when we later on when we talk about records, it's just like I, I love instrumental stuff, and so I just, therefore I want to write that, you know. And um, I've always had, you know, projects, instrumental yes. projects that. Uh, and speaking of which, Kevin, I know there was an experimental project. I'm not sure whether you're still involved or were previously. Um, the best name band I've heard in a long time, Pizza Coupon. Yes, that's one of my favorite bands of all time. <laughs> um, yeah, that that is a so that's a that um, a band in Minneapolis. Um, it's drummer J T Bates, who is a incredible drummer, um, big in the free jazz scene, and just. Uh, he could play anything. He was actually was on some of the Taylor Swift's last records. Um, and uh, I, I, honestly, a big mentor of mine too. I had an organ trio with him for a long time playing like classic 60s stuff. Um, and he's uh, like a little bit older than me, maybe 15 years or, or and um, 10, 15 or something. But he uh, uh, it's a band that he, uh, what was it? Him, this guy named Jeremy Evelsocker and Cody McKinney. And um, basically, a friend of ours was getting married and asked us to come. He handpicked the band and said, I want you to play these tunes. And they're all like 60s, 70s, um, like like meters stuff and, and like really random tunes. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, we got together and it was just. We played the wedding and we're like, we should start, this should be a band, you know, it, we're, like a reception, you know, but I brought to the wedding, I brought my full organ rig. Jeremy brought, bought this like six foot guitar amp, you know, like we're just like, we're doing it, you know, um, but these guys are uh, really interesting players, really cool. Um, and uh, it was kind of this like, oh man, I, we got some recordings, but it was this band where we would, we never rehearsed. And we would just play, we have a list of tunes and we show up, we play them. Anyone can start the tune in any way. And we, we do a lot of where, all right, bass is going to start the song. He's going to do like a two minute bass solo and then we'll come in. 
we don't talk about endings, intros or endings, but we're playing like tunes. We play like Everly Brothers. Uh, we, we were playing a Born Under a Bad Sign or, or like um, Green Onions and like like just these whatever tunes, but we'd play it. Oh, Home on the Range we'd play. Uh, we play we play these tunes, and I'm talking Jeremy with like really psychedelic guitar tones. Uh, Cody's got like a like a P bass, and um, and if you knew JT or heard his playing, it's just uh, he's just the easiest person to play with at all. He's got his own thing. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's 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 uh it's incredible. But anyways, it's just one one mind, you know, hive yeah. mind, and anything can happen and we we uh laugh most of the gig uh one of the bits is that um every time we talk on the mic two people on the mic are talking at the same time <laughs> so there so uh it's always like like cody and jt they're talking over each other the whole time and it's hilarious and every single we've done that every single show we've ever played like like it's just and the the crowd gets in on they're just like oh my god this is hilarious and then we keep doing it you know like just and they're trying to say the same thing at the same time you know and so it's just a it's a it's a fun like serious but hilarious band that we just i don't know i i felt so much joy i play uh on that band it was organ and i brought my clavinet like driven through like a like a blues junior and wah and it's just going really you know psychedelic and um but also very we did like very pretty stuff too and it, it, i don't know it was just one of those one of my favorite experiences playing live music is with that band, yeah. um but that's all you know now i'm in nashville so now it's like yeah that's gone next yeah. chapter you know all that um all yeah, those I, gigs i know i wonder if those wedding guests aside from the musicians in the in the audience realize how lucky they were lucky they were <laughs> to have a full organ rig at a wedding yeah right right <laughs> but, but yeah i'm totally that guy though like i'm always like yeah, yeah i'm gonna bring it out yeah let's do it <laughs> that's I'll bring great notes. <laughs> i know you mentioned ty bailey before the show and i mean you're, you're yeah. at that school that i will cart this stuff out yep. no yep. matter what yep yep uh, ty's five minutes from me now i live there you go. Right down the street. So yeah, great guy. So um, that's brilliant, Kevin. Um, and obviously, all those those diverse bands. Tell us how you went from that. What's I imagine was a very busy lifestyle over all those years, uh, yeah. and that it overlaps with with hooking up with Corey. So what brought that relation musical relationship about? So um, when I went to school. Uh, at to college, I went to this place called McNally Smith College of Music, which was which was in St. Paul. It recently shut down, um, but it was kind of the music school of the Midwest, um, and um, it's right in St. Paul, which is right next to Minneapolis. Um, I started going there in 2005. Um, Corey started going there in 2005 as well, and we got paired up first day of school into to be in the same ensemble together. So um, I was. 18 and he was you know uh, i think 19 or 20 at the time and uh we started playing together immediately um we started playing um we both he wanted to be pat metheny i wanted to be chick korea uh, brad meldow you know um and th th this is you know we're in college and and this is what we're into so we we started writing together um back then uh, a few years later or maybe a couple years later um we started playing at this place called the Artist Quarter, which was a jazz club in St. Paul. We played there 
um, for six years every Tuesday um, at playing uh, my music and Corey's music and whoever else was in the, the band that night, uh, playing a lot of originals. And we do this, uh, we did this gig for free, uh, opening up for this uh, legendary Tuesday Night Oregon group, uh, which, which happened to be two players that were in the combo at the time. Um, the guitarist for the combo, the Dr. Mama's combo. Uh, they would play Sunday and Monday and Buckers, and then they'd go to Artist Quarter and play the Tuesday Night Oregon Trio, and um, which was I I found very inspiring. Like people, cats are playing like a R and B pop kind of gig, and then then they go over and play. And these guys are older guys, you know, fifties, um, sixties, and they're, they're doing it. Uh, and then they're playing jazz on two. I'm just like, this is so cool. Um, but we opened up for that that Tuesday night group for a long time, uh, just for fun. And it was, it was awesome. I, I can't believe we did it that long, but we, uh, we, uh, yeah. So we, we, anyways, we wrote a lot of music. Um, we started a, a fusion band called foreign motion, um, with, uh, Pitar, the drummer for, for our Corey group. And, um, he, he came to the, he's from Serbia. He came over to the States in 2009, I believe. And we started playing with him, uh, immediately. And, and then Johannes, who was actually, again, back to the Dr. Mama's Combo, he was playing in that band uh, around that time. And he's been a friend of ours. He's incredible. He's been actually playing with our, uh, he did a few of the tours this summer with Corey. Um, uh, but Johannes Tona, incredible bass player. Uh, we had a fusion group where um, before Corey started his new Corey Wong project um, that we were um we did. We played a lot together, uh, writing more, uh, more on the fusion side, um, more a uh, little bit, a little bit on the funk. Uh, but it was it was a four piece, and we did we made a record, um, and uh, that was I think maybe like 2013, 14, 15, like around there. Um, so um, we yeah we wrote a lot of music together on there, and and then you know Corey got hooked up with Volpeck, and uh, you know made a name for himself and then started doing his own stuff and then invited, you know, um, everyone, all, you know, all the, all the homies basically, um, and, uh, to, to be a part of it. And we've been, that's been just wild seeing that, um, grow over the years. Um, Absolutely. It's been incredible. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as if there was any real need for an audition given the length of your, your no, collaboration no, together. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's like at this point I played more with him and, yeah. and even with Pitar, cause when I was playing, yeah, like Pitar, Janic, uh, we, at one point, yeah, we, we, we played, we played Monday, Sunday and Monday and Wednesday, Wednesday with a different band, um, at Bunkers, we, we played three nights a week for a few years, um. And Sonny Thompson too was was playing with us the whole time too, um, which is the the bass player with Corey and uh, and New Pardresh and, and grew up with Prince and stuff. And he, um, yeah, it's just like these. All, all what I guess what I'm saying um, is that whole camp we've all been playing together forever. Yeah, you know, I've played more gigs with these guys even before we started the Corey thing, you know, than anybody else. You know, so we've we've all been playing together for a long time, and then then we started playing and Corey and. He's been booking stuff more and more, and that's kind of taken over a lot of a uh, lot of our, you know, cut into all of our our gigging day to day life in the city. You know, I mean, I've I've played hundreds and hundreds of probably thought, thought, you know uh, weddings and cover bands and like, I mean, I, I I like to play, I like to study, I like to learn tunes. Um, 
get patches and, and the whole jobbing thing. Like I, I love that. It's just, I like to balance it with other stuff too. Um, and, um, but all the Corey stuff, that's just, I haven't been doing nearly as much of that. Now that I moved to Nashville, I'm not doing any of that. You know, I'm, I'm doing working in the studio and, and, um, and trying to build a, a different life. Um, so it's, it's been wild, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Different uh, change. And, yeah. and so, I mean, I, 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 the length of your relationships with all those guys, as you said, you know, and you can tell, we'll be posting a link, for example, to the recent um, live video in France that um, Corey posted on his website. Like you can tell that yeah. you are a group of people that know each other um, intimately from a musical viewpoint. Um, yeah. Just what were your learnings though, as much as you did know each other, what, what did you learn about the music business industry and your playing, doing more of that international stuff? I mean, you mentioned Montreux at the start of the, the session. Yeah. Just, you know, what, what, what have your learnings been saying over the last five years that you never thought you would experience? Man, a, a, a ton. Uh, I guess it's almost been uh, discouraging in some ways of how much work it actually is, you know, like how much of the business, how much of the organization, like it's to, to at, at that level that he's at, it's, it's just, it's so much. Um, and, and, it, you know, I, I remember being younger and thinking where we got our bands and we're playing around the Midwest and we're waiting like, Oh, we got to break out and stuff. And just to see how far, how long or how long and how, how much road we had to go with, if, if that was actually going to happen, you know, um, it, it's just, it's, it's been very, very wild. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, and, and I assume part of the learning too, even though you've played so long, I mean, watching that live in France video, I'm assuming the way Corey and you all work is that obviously there is a structure to the songs. The songs, yeah. some of Corey's songs are extremely well known, but it feels like there's a lot of room to move when you're playing within songs, what what is the approach of the band as yeah. far as working up the songs and touring them? Yeah, I mean, some songs are, you know, basically play it straight down, but we'll have a lot of sections that are open that are based off of cues that um, either Corey will cue or there'll be a musical cue or there'll be a patar or I will be cueing. It kind of depends on the, on the tune or the situation, but um, it's fun to have uh, tunes where maybe there's a spot that's open that has a launching, that we can have a launch off point. Um, and then that goes and what, uh, often maybe it'll be a soloist that will, will take it over and we're kind of listening to them, which is, which is, uh, you know, we're doing instrumental music. Everyone in the, in the band is a bon monster player. And, uh, Corey's done a really good job of being able to allow, uh, to showcase his band. Um, so that's been a really fun thing. And, uh, in a lot of those sections, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, musical cues. Uh, but a lot, a lot of it is based on. Maybe the soloist cues uh, out, so I'll take it for however long I want, um, you know, without within reason, you know, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, whoever's yeah, just I guess certain spots and tunes, uh, people are looking at different people. Uh, horns are all on charts, um, so at times it can be, you know, um, it, things can go wrong, uh, you know, if something changes in the band, uh, and then the you know horns gotta gotta catch up or or adjust uh but um yeah it's a lot of a lot of musical cues um some songs are straight up you know play straight yeah. down but um uh intros sometimes are wide open until this certain point um but it's a mix of written stuff and uh, i mean the keyboard stuff is 
at times extremely playing parts and then other times i could do whatever i want i could change my tones and do whatever i could play a different instrument right now or like i'm 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 a you know auxiliary icing on the cake you know i'm just grooving i'll play clav tonight i'll play organ tonight uh I got this organ. I, I don't really like my organ tonight that I'm on because, uh, you know, we play, I play like a different organ every night. So I'm going to play uh, like a synth thing or whatever, you know, um, there's some flexibility um, in the parts, you know, and a lot, a lot of us have kind of, you know, at times have, it's a mixture of us, our own dictating our own parts. And then uh, if it's, you know, uh, if there's a melody that's important or whatever, you know, we have to yeah. stick them with it, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fairly, um, it's a, definitely a mix. Um, yeah. No, it yeah. definitely comes across that way, which which is great. And I assume no matter having a band of monster players, Kevin, um, things still go wrong. Have you got a notable train wreck, something that stands out for you that where things have gone spectacularly wrong? <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, with I'm trying to think with with Corey's band, we were playing at the Wiltern, I think it was in um, L.A. last year, and we had a curtain, and the curtain. While I was going up, grabbed Corey's microphone, <laughs> snagged it, and it went straight up. And then, luckily, our our tech ran and got it. Um, but uh, that was almost a disaster. Yeah, we we we've had pretty good luck, but um, I definitely have you know stories, you know, where things have gone wrong. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I mean, feel free I to could, share, no I matter could, the band. Yeah, it doesn't matter uh, what the band is. You know, I was I could go back to the playing at the artist quarter with Corey and, and Tatar and, 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 uh, and those guys. Um, one time we had the, this article, you know, it's like a stage that's maybe a foot, foot or two off the ground. Um, but some of these stages, you know, there's a grand piano there with a the piano bench. Some of these stages aren't that big. They, they shove the piano right on, right on the edge of the stage. And, you know, I sometimes I'll stand when I'm playing sometimes like I'll, I'll get into it. I'll push my, my bench back, you know, and, uh, and this situation, this is, uh, this is like 10 years ago or something, but I, uh, I'm burning, I'm playing solo. We're playing jazz. We're like playing pop and, and, you know, it was, it was thing. And, uh, my, uh, bench, my keep my bench just creaked right over the back side of the, of the stage. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> flew right back nailed my head on the back of the table and oh, flying wow. mid solo so i've fallen off stage um almost brought a helmet next time you know um but uh had a had a fallen off stage before that's that was that was one thing <laughs> um i've had for keyboard players this is this is probably one that i i feel most people have had um i've had uh i'm thinking of one time i'll, I'll spend this like corporate gig for it was like a dinner and they had a, like a speaker and then we were supposed to start right after the speaker's done. We play, we, the band, we're already on stage and, and we go and there's like a thousand people there, the big convention center thing. Um, we're starting with, this will be, um, big piano intro. Go up to the stage, check the, everything worked beforehand. I get up there. My sustain pedal is flipped. I don't realize it until I start playing. <laughs> That was crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think, you know, it's just huge, you know, just me for the first, you wow. know, uh, eight bars or whatever. That was a, that was definitely a funny one. Um, 
And when I you say get... flipped, like the polarization was the wrong way for the keyboard. Yes, yeah. exactly. So up, so pressing the pedal down means lifting it up. Lifting it up means it's down, and that's a whole trip. Oh, yeah. Actually, one time I I, I went I, had, I was playing a solo piano gig, and I brought the wrong sustain pedal that didn't have a uh, polarity switch, and this was. I was pretty young and I was playing for, for my first time at this uh, like winery um, uh, and the sustain pedal was flipped the entire gig <laughs> and I'm, I'm playing like solo piano and um, yeah, you know, you just got to try to try to make, make it work. Uh, wow. Maybe uh, take it out and play, just not use the same sustain pedal at all or just play really slow ballad stuff. But that's, um, that that's a, always a trip. Yeah, that's a uh, unique one, Kevin. I can honestly say that one's not come up before. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's something. Um, I was playing a gig in a uh, near a, like a Macy's, all right, um, like a, a solo piano, a Christmas thing, and I brought my uh, at the time. I was this was a long time ago. I had a, a Yamaha S ninety ES. Which is a very large great keyboard. Yeah, great board. I love. I love the piano on that. Like that's that was kind of my. But it's a huge monster heavy keyboard. Had this big case for it too. It wasn't. It was like one that was kind of soft and kind of hard. Uh, I can't remember. You, you might know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Another um, one, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I had that for years. It was great. What I learned um, is always put your keyboard behind you if you're going down or up an escalator (laughs) (laughs) and this goes for even traveling uh this goes for for luggage or or whatever but uh i i had a i got done with the gig i'm going down the escalator all right not thinking about i put the keyboard in front of me and so so i put it on the the step below me and i'm holding on to it and as it's going down the keyboard's going forward and i lost grip and it and we're going down the escalator this thing goes and my gut reaction is to leap onto the keyboard thinking that i could spread and stop the keyboard from falling down like i I go onto the side and stop it i jump on and i write i bodyboard surf it all the way down the whole escalator and i'm getting i'm i'm all like bruised up by the time i'm at the bottom of it and it killed and luckily the keyboard was okay but um that uh that's yeah just what put it behind you absolutely what i would have given to see video of that and you're right those yamaha boards were huge weighty beasts i can imagine what that was like yeah Yeah. like i wasn't thinking about it like i was it was like my first main keyboard and I, i was just thinking about tone i was like oh, i love this piano not thinking that i'm going to be gigging with it for years or whatever yes. you know and, oh and it, yeah that, that, that's but that's a great that's a great board that's a um, great story yeah that was that was crazy um but yeah that's that's that was some of the ones i was thinking of i was like yeah no great no great picks and while we're talking keyboards let's let's do what what are your go-to keyboards and given the diversity of the gigs you play i understand it's not as simple as a handful of keyboards but even what you've got behind you what are your you know true loves and i'm assuming the organs obviously one of them but yeah yeah Yeah. so um i guess uh i use the nord stage three all the time swiss army knife i you know hard to find a keyboard that can do 
as many mm-hmm. things as it can do, um, especially having drawbars on it and, and effects. And, and so I use that for most everything as my base keyboard. Um, and then I'll uh, often, uh, you know, sub in other keyboards to for other gigs. Um, I'll often do a Nord on top of um, a Hammond. I have two Hammond chops. Uh, one of them is a custom uh, thing that a guy, uh, Rich Warian, uh, Minneapolis, built um and I, I that's the one i use for a lot of the quarry stuff but uh when i go around town i'll bring this chop and uh put my organ on top bring a i have a leslie uh 145 that i'll bring out and uh that's uh a lot of gigs will will do will, i'll do that um if not uh, i'll i'll have a, a whirly 200 i'll put my nord on top of that i'll bring a, a fender twin reverb for the whirly um Sometimes I'll bring my Nord. I have a Leslie 3300 that I run my Nord through. Um, if I do like a Whirly in the Nord and I can do like with the separate outputs, I'll use uh, Oregon uh, Nord through the Leslie and that, you know, gets, gets a lot of the job done. But then I'll also have, I'll use that for other synths and all that kind of stuff yeah. too. So that's like a scenario where I want like, a lot of times what I try to do and a lot of gigs is have one um, vintage piece or like one kind of cool classic or uh, keyboard thing mixed with another one uh, mixed yeah. with like a something digital or like a Nord with a Rhodes Rhodes with a Whirly Rhodes or, or, or Nord organ or like, or, or whatever, like maybe a, like a, a synth. I, I use like a OB six a lot. Uh, Dave Smith OB six, which is mm-hmm. over here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If I, really yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, so right now I have this Yamaha CP 73 at the bottom there. Oh yeah, nice. I use that for a MIDI controller a lot, for uh, for piano uh, or for my keys for my recording setup. Above that is my uh, the OB6, um, and then above that DX7. Yeah, wow. Which I like to record with a lot, and then a, a Moog Little Fatty, which I'll use for yep. like leads and synth bass and stuff. Uh, and then over there, that's a, a Vox Jaguar on the bottom. Oh, yeah, these two. That's that's fun. I know you can't really. It's like my computer's connected, so I can't really. No, that's okay. Move and then uh, above that is uh, it's this Honer Continental K1. It's wow. this kind of interesting keyboard. Uh, I use it a lot on my last record actually. And above that is a Mini Farfisa con- uh, Compact. Nice. And then uh, on top of that is Yamaha SK20. It's like ah, a really cool these two. Yeah, I used to have synth. one of those. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's just it's just got a nice nice tone. It does. Uh, and then over here I have one of my organs. Uh oh yeah, no, actually. The ones you see right now, that's that's a Whirly seven hundred. Oh wow. Uh that's a really cool tone. Yeah. Uh nineteen fifty nine. Uh Juno one oh six, I'll use that on gigs. Yeah. Uh, if I want to uh, you wanna do that. Uh and then back there is a uh Hammond uh C two. Oh, nice. Uh, chopped. Um, on top of that is a clavinet E7. Wow. And uh, I'll use that for a lot. And then over here is my Mark Mark 1 Rhodes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, and I, I got, like, with the cab and everything. And then, uh, and then the Nord. And I got my one of my Leslie's over there set up, mic'd. Uh, oh, harmonium beautiful. on top of that. But uh, that's kind of like my yeah, great setup. Gig. But I'll, yeah. but basically, I'll end up using one of these. Yeah, you know, I I I often you know use Nord and 
like a vintage piece or whatever. But yeah. sometimes I'll use the Farfisa. So I'll bring that out. I love running that through like a wah and a guitar amp and and um, yeah. No. But, and a lot of these keyboards are just here. I have them all hooked up, and I I do a lot of recording. Yeah, uh, just keyboard stuff here, you know. So and so it sounds like when you're touring, Kevin. What what are your backline? minimum um, standards as far as i know yeah. that can be highly variable but yeah yeah uh so right now it's um north stage three um and uh we get it 95 percent of the time so we'll get i'll get a north stage two sometimes um but i have uh all my sounds on my computer and i'll load them on to the keyboard every every gig um unless we're on like a run um a yeah. lot of our a lot of our shows are fly dates. Even if when we're on tour, we're flying, you know. So I'm not bringing anything. So it's Nord Stage three, and then I'll get a um, a, a real organ every gig. Yeah, and great. Leslie. So whatever Leslie, whatever organ, but it's uh, and then again ninety ninety percent of the time, maybe I get a, a real organ. Sometimes I'll get a like a, a Hammond XK five through with Leslie or something like that. But it's uh, just organ Nord. So my Nord will cover right. since pianos. Rose Whirly Clav, uh, and then Oregon. So it'd be fun to bring more stuff, you know, um, someday, but it's, it's, you know, it's already a lot getting a ham in every show. And it is. Yeah. So, and then w- when we, we just did like a full Europe tour, we had an extra, we had a backup Leslie and you know, it's, it's just in case and it's, uh, but that's, yeah, that's been the rig. Uh, it's it's been fine. It's been it's been really good. You know, yeah. maybe maybe add like a a, a whirly or something or a Rhodes or uh, in the future or, or yeah. Something. No, great but, great rundown. And just on very briefly on the Nords. So the stage four not tempting at this stage, particularly given the architecture being slightly different. Yeah, uh, it's just so expensive. You know, <laughs> like I uh, I'd like to get it. Uh, I'd have to start over. But yeah. uh, with with building sounds, uh, I just I was, I just taught a lesson uh, yesterday, two day, a couple of days ago online, and the guy just got a new stage four, and he was just saying like, man, I I just got I got I've had years of of sounds in there, and got to start all over, you know. And I get mm-hmm. it. Uh, I'll have to do that too because I got I got so many just songs that I played four yeah. years ago, you know. This this patch I built, and it's like, oh yeah. We're playing. I'm playing that song, you know, or just for random working, jobbing stuff, you know, or, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. It maybe someday. I just I can't stomach the price right no. now. Uh, no, it's just just, just the three's fine. I mean, it's it, yeah. it it does a great job. But uh, would I like a four? Oh, absolutely. But uh, yes. I I mean, I just moved, man. I yeah, know. that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, very valid. And you mentioned just uh, a little while ago, Kevin, your, your solo albums, and I, I, I'm really yeah. keen to talk on those. So the the latest one being Last Place Dreaming. Just well, actually, I might yeah. go back to your first one where I wear sure. my face on my head. What was the final impetus? Like, what was the momentum that built for you? Where I'm at a stage now, I really want to get some of this stuff out from a solo viewpoint. Um, yeah, it's just something I've wanted to do for a very long time. And a lot of it was just figuring out how to make, I guess, producing and, and, uh, but by myself, um, having the recording, the right gear, um, with that record, um, that was in the pandemic and I was like, okay, I have all these keyboards. I'm, I've been getting more and more into recording and, um, 
and uh, everyone's flying tracks, and I I can do this myself. All my other projects and bands, it's always been, you know, getting in a room and teaching each other parts and going into the studio and doing it. And uh, the that record, I Wear My Face on My Head, was all basically, that was all uh, remote you know, record, record remotely and, and, uh, heavily, you know, keyboards, but also a lot of it was, you know, uh, friends playing drums. Uh, it might be me and a drummer and me covering synth bass and all that stuff, or I ring a bass player. Uh, yeah, most of it was synth bass actually. I had one song with the, with the bass player, but, um, yeah, getting guitar players and, um, um, yeah, just finding, uh, I guess for a long time, I didn't know, I've I've written in a lot of different styles and I didn't know a direction that I wanted to go in. And I, I think I, um, I had a hard time deciding cause I, I put it on a pedestal and just like, Oh, but it's gotta be so great. And I just kind of, I, I, I made some limitations to myself, which was, I'm going to use these keyboards in my basement. Um, and, uh, and a lot of these songs are, I feel like they weren't even fully developed. Like they're more um, like, here's a, here's a groove. Here's a verse, you know, I'm going to do this and, and make it, try to make it interesting. I'm not going to get super into making full songs. There might be some fade in fade outs, you know? Um, and, uh, and then I worked, um, I have a buddy, Jason McGlone, who's an incredible uh, engineer and, and producer. And, uh, he's been kind of behind all my records uh helping kind of arrange and mix um or and uh just yeah i guess this pandemic just going to town recording and um finally releasing some stuff uh yeah i haven't had some guests on it uh that was actually i I released a record before that too actually that was my second record oh true the first record was uh, just solo piano, uh, a record of solo piano pieces. Um, yeah, so this is the, the the Vigilant Cranes. Yeah, it's yes, it's legend, amazing. Yeah, yeah and apologies, yeah. I got the sequence no, wrong there, right. but yeah, no, 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 no. it's um, it's it's an amazing album. That's the one I've probably listened to the most out of the three. Okay, and it's cool. Just, yeah, so yeah, do explain. It is totally. Yeah. It's a very piano driven album. What what was yep. the um inspiration for that one? That was um, you know, I've always. One of the sides of my writing has always been, um, I guess, writing solo piano music, just fun. Uh, a lot of it is studying harmony, uh, maybe four note voicings uh, that move in a clever way or, or stuff that I find interesting. Um, not necessarily uh, in the jazz realm, but more of on a melancholy cinematic uh, side, uh, just tunes that I, I like. And I've written a lot of these over the years and, and, um, I wanted to um, basically uh, kind of asking uh, originally how um, you know it came together or how I decided to make my first record or, or whatever that um, I figured I can get this one out of the way. I can knock this out and then I can maybe I'll be a little more free to do whatever I want. Cause like I said, that first one's on a pedestal and I had years and I was like, all right, I'm just going to make a solo piano record. Uh, we went to, uh, my buddy studio and we felted the piano um, and close mic'd and did all this, you know, he, we tried to do kind of a Nils Fromm thing. A um, lot of mechanical noises and, and, um, 
and uh that was i had like 12 songs and just recorded it in six hours you know uh just a couple takes and did it put it out amazing um and then my wife did the artwork for all those all those records amazing and uh and that was super cool um and um so yeah just getting getting that one out um and just kind of not you know um i not i'm not the greatest promoter or uh you know salesman really i i just i don't work on i mean i could work on that but it's just not really much of my thing i i i find it very awesome that you can just make a record and just put it out there even if it's in the void um it feels good uh the process i i like over i did, i love making records and i love the process from start to finish so just doing that is is very you know cathartic and and just um and that record i think it was i think i released that one at the very beginning of the pandemic um uh literally i think we recorded it uh like right the first week right before wow. it shut down or something it, it was kind of like the timing was insane but um um yeah just um uh where was i going well, I was, yeah. about, I was just about to say that, yeah, and I mean, to then back up for the 2022 release, you obviously still have yeah. plenty of fuel left in the tank. So you're obviously oh, continually yeah. writing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. So I just, I write a lot and I write in a lot of different, I guess, instrumental styles. I have, I have uh, enough tunes for two like modern jazz records right now, uh, a, more of a funk organ record. I have more stuff like I wear my face in my head, like a whole nother record of that. Um, and then, so I have all this stuff and, and, and all these different um, kind of genres. So that's where I've been, I've had a hard time deciding what I want to do and is there a way to blend them all together? And, and what I've found um, so far has been uh, making limitations for myself. Um, this, this, uh, this past record, uh, last place dreamer was, I decided I didn't really want any synths on it. Um, any, any, any like modern synths or any synthy sounding like oscillator driven stuff. Um, I wanted, um, I did a lot of Farfisa. He's the, the Volk Jaguar, um, Oregon piano, Whirly, uh, Rhodes. Um, and then like kind of more classic tones, very inspired from, uh, like 60s, 70s music. Uh, Henry Mancini, huge inspiration. Yeah. And um, and just great instrumental music that is um, not necessarily jazz, but um, still has depth, um, some improvisation, uh, takes harmonic risks, but but it's not uh, um, you know not in vain, like not not uh, yeah in a in a in a musical way, you know, like uh, uh, some still still nice, some that regular list people everyday people could 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 get get on board, yeah. you know. Um, and that, that's, that's been a, you know, a thing that I definitely like about music and, uh, when instrumentalists, I mean, I, I love all the crazy jazz stuff. I mean, I, I love it. Um, but I like to, you know, connect, try to make music that ordinary people can like, you know, and can get it, get them on board. Um, um yeah, or, but I, honestly, I'm just like everybody, I'm just writing stuff that I like, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. 
No, guess, great is, perspective. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, very valid perspective. <laughs> That's great. And, and Kevin, one of our standard questions is, uh, and you've played with some amazing people over many years now, but is there a keyboard player that you've always wondered, you know, you'd like to know a little bit about them? We always ask our guests to tag someone else that they'd love to hear more about. Oh, man. Oh, uh, like a keyboard player that that I look up to? or, or yeah, that like yeah, to yeah. Oh, man. Um, Ray... Uh, I, I don't know. I keep coming back to Larry Goldings. Yeah. He's kind of oh. like, I don't know. I think he's he's the dude. He is I, the dude. I don't know. Um, he's, uh, yeah, I think he's, 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 he's the guy. Yeah, we're um, trying. We're trying. Great pick. Let, let's take that as your pick, <laughs> Kevin. But yeah, look, it's, it's on our bucket list for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Larry would be an absolute gem to have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, he's got it all, you know. Um, Does. Yeah. He's got it all, you know. Um, well, uh, He's, uh, you know, all keyboards, all styles. No, agreed. Can play everything, you know. Hopefully you see this, Larry. Answer your damn Instagram DMs, will you? Please. (laughs) If not Larry, at least least Hans Groener. Yes, that's right. Another great. That's right. That's right. I love his sense of humor. Yeah, Yeah, anyway. (laughs) It's brilliant. So, no, great pick. Thanks, Kevin. And um, the dreaded Desert Island Discs question, five albums, that if you had to only take five, what would they be? Oh, okay. All right. Well, I kind of made a list of records um, that, like, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be hard, but I feel like I'd be picking stuff. um, Some of these records are sentimental to me because I think they're early on in my growth, Um, you know, um, and some of them are, I guess, more recent or classic trying to stay away from some of the classic ones that everyone picks. Um, but, um, for me, some of the, I guess some of the most influential ones that I could listen over and over again. Um, I'd say, uh, Brad Meldow Largo. <laughs> um, let's say, uh, Herbie Hancock flood, which is a live record of like thrust and headhunters. Nice. Um, Let's say uh, for the classics, we can say like Heavy Weather, Weather Report. Yeah. Um, Chikoria, My Spanish Heart has been one of my all-time favorite records. Um, maybe like Pet Sounds. Yeah. You know, classic. Uh, Roy Hargrove, Ear Food or Hard Groove. Yeah, you've got the yeah. gamut there. You've got yeah. the gamut. Uh, I don't know. There's so many. Mac Miller Circles has been a, a record I've been into the last couple of years of more modern stuff. Um, same, uh, you know, uh, producer as Largo, uh, John Bryan, another one of his, uh, but, Not uh, peaks. yeah, there's just so many good records. There is, there it's is just insane. No, like, yeah, there is. No, but I can confirm most of those you picked are, um, haven't been picked before, which is no mean feat across okay. nearly a hundred guests. So cool. yeah, no, that great cool. stuff. And, um, Kevin, look, we can't. Our final one is our quick fire ten, so ten short and sharp answers to ten short and sharp questions. So, okay, uh, first album you ever hear, recall hearing? Uh, probably Aretha Franklin. Um, oh. My mom used to listen to it when she cleaned. Uh, I don't remember which record. It might have been a Greatest Hits, but yeah. I feel like that might. That, that's some of my earliest yeah. memories. Oh, great, great one. Um, yeah. most, Im- most important pre-gig ritual, what do you like to do before a gig to make sure you're on the even keel? Uh, use the bathroom. <laughs> um, you know, it's important. Um, I guess uh, 
know the music. <laughs> yeah, that helps. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm not like a uh, huge into getting all wrecked before a gig, you know. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> pretty straight, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's about it. Yeah, really. no, that's good. I, I don't really have anything. I'm not, like, doing any specific, uh, no. you know, washing off for cracks or anything, you know. <laughs> not great. Um <laughs> Favorite size performance venue, and you've played uh, played them all pretty much, from um, you know stadiums through to small clubs. What what do you like the best? Oh, uh, oh, what size? Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. Uh, honestly, well, the the really small ones, like fifty to two hundred, are awesome. When you're playing on a bigger, uh, like a, a bigger stage, uh, once I feel like once you get past around a thousand, it starts. Uh, you lose sound a little bit, and often you get a little bit further away from the audience. So I would say that 600, 700 capacity or whatever is can Ideal. be a rock in time. The audience is always close and you can like, you just feel like you're part of the, the room yeah. um, for something from bigger. But then obviously like, yeah, I mean, all the huge gigs are cool too for yeah. mainly for other reasons, you know, like this is amazing. I'm playing at red rocks or whatever, you know, that's um, right. But like, um, yeah, definitely those, there's a there's a there's a threshold once you get once you once yeah. you cross that where it, it changes a, a, a bit. But um, yeah, but yeah, no, no, great. And I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this: transpose button or adjust on the fly. <laughs> adjust. Yep. Oh yeah, that, yeah. You, yeah. You, you I can't imagine you, in the foot, man. Yeah, the, I can't imagine I, you doing anything yeah. else. Yeah, never. I've never never done it. I'm not. There you go. I, you know, I've never done it. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't know how to. I went. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just no. I, avoid, I just, avoid. I thought about it. Early on, I'm just like, I cannot cut this corner. And I've met people that that once they started, they never stopped. It is you know? hard. It's yeah. just like I can't. I mean, it's just twelve keys. It's just twelve. I can get. <laughs> I can. You know, not that I'm. You know, it's, I still keys are hard, but like mm. it's just twelve keys. I can do this. You know, I'll figure it out. I'd rather stomach it. You know. Yep. So uh, fair, fair yeah, call. No, never. Um, favorite gig you've ever done, and it maybe it's the Red Rocks one or something else. What what stood out for you? Um, you know, um, I guess yeah. I mean, some of these big gigs are always kind of the ones you think of. We played this 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 um, place in France um, called uh, Jazz of Vienne, and uh, we were opening for George Benson, which was awesome. We had dinner with him, and and it was insane. Wow, like this yeah. hero, you know. Um, and we it was in this old Roman. It was in southern France, but it was this old Roman uh, amphitheater. Um, and I, I think it was, I don't know, like 10,000 or something um, or, or more. It, it, and it was like straight up, it looked like like what the Colosseum would look like, basically. All built into this into this hill. And uh, it was 2,000 years old. And um, it was, sun's going, it was, yeah, it was in southern France. It really had that like Roman whole look. And yeah. you know, that gig was, that was last summer, I think. That was incredible. Yeah, amazing. No, great um, pick. Just incredible. And link to that, Kevin, favorite city you've ever played, if that's possible. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess, I guess, you know, we're talking audiences, maybe. I mean, yeah, cities, just... I, like to, I like to go. I mean, I love to go play in, in Paris or whatever, um, or Dublin's super fun. But crowds, uh, I feel like definitely overseas, the, the crowds are a little more, they sing our tunes a bit more. Yeah. Uh, and that's fun. To get the audience reaction, uh, Dublin, Glasgow, yeah. even even in Paris, um, 
uh, some of these cities, people are just way more vocal and it's just fun to, fun to do that with uh, instrumental music. Um, but those, those people go, go down, especially the, the, you know, the Ireland and Scotland. Good peaks. They're having pints. Yeah. Having (laughs) lots of pints. Yes. Um, So, and name an artist, Kevin, that you've not worked with that you'd love to work with one day, if one comes to mind. Oh, um, hmm. I guess Larry Goldings. Uh, yeah, there we go. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, Larry. Um, right, let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah, Meldow. I, I mean, uh, I think I you picked know. two pretty a, damn some, good ones million, there. Some million. <laughs> yeah, there is. No, that's great. And um, favorite music documentary or movie? Is there some sort of music or industry-related movie or doco that you you tend to come back to here and there? Metallica, some kind of monster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hilarious. You would think it's a mockumentary. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but this is real. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> um, that's like a, not a serious answer, but that is. It's pretty. It's. Watch it if you haven't. It's it's so, so you've never had a psychiatrist incredible. come out on tour with you? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, not no, I don't have the forty thousand a a month I think they're paying them. <laughs> That's right. A good thing. Dave or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. That's... I'm so glad you So we watch that on tour all the time. I've actually <laughs> sampled um a bunch from that documentary into my Nord. So at any times I at any times I can pull out the the delete that Lars's father you know or or uh, or Lars explaining um or uh or, or Kurt explaining the to to Lars that he's just trying to get a, a drum groove up, across just for the drum's sake but not for the music you know like I got all these quotes on my keyboard it's it's we have a good, we have a good time. I think I think you've just <laughs> you've cancelled any option you ever have of being a keyboard player for Metallica, Kevin. I think you've <laughs> what a shame. Yeah, they, can, they can have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, name one thing you'd like to see um, invented that'd make your life as a keyboard player easier. Oh, um, I guess uh, you know, just continuing to go on all the modeling uh, easier if you, a, a good organ. Plug-in. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess it'd be a good organ. Yeah, great one. A good organ plug-in. Yeah. Yep. No worries. And what do you do to keep sane outside of music? What's your favorite non-musical activity hobby? Um, I guess got into playing a lot of disc golf over the last ah. couple of years. That's been really fun. Um, we just, my wife and I just went. Uh, a couple days ago, for the first time in Nashville, and, and started playing again. And uh, but this summer we we go out and play, um, especially over the pandemic. But um, or last right. couple of years we've done a lot of that. But yeah, you know, into a bunch of TV shows and you know just hanging out, eating, making food. And yeah, great. Now I'm working on the lawn a bunch. That's been, that's been yes. fun. You know, <laughs> got a lawn here now, so. No, it certainly yeah. sounds like you've got a busy few months ahead, Kevin, um, both yeah. with the move and, and everything else. And, I mean, I can't thank you enough for, for your time. Oh, and, and, honored. And, um, and, and you were so close, Jakarta. It's literally 50 miles from the tip oh, of Australia. We've got to I get know. you to Australia. I know. Well, we, we went, actually, um, about three years ago. Four oh, years damn. Ago. But we, didn't, we, we, were, we went to um, – we played on the Dave Cause cruise. Which was oh. doing an Australian. We we did Sydney, Melbourne, Newcastle, uh, Tasmania, and uh, somewhere else I think. But we did uh, two weeks 
Um, and uh, it was two cruises. Wow. Um, one after another. I met uh, Ray Thistleway. In okay. I was going to ask you about that. Yep. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Corey knew him, and we met up with him and in Sydney and went to a jam and hung. And um, he's in. I love yeah, that guy. That guy's he's incredible. an amazing we actually just guy. Saw him, yeah. We saw him in Tokyo uh, this past. Uh, oh, yeah, he was there ago. recently. Yeah. He was there yeah. with, with Lewis, Lewis Cole. We were playing That's right. uh, at this, this festival in, in uh, Japan, and we, we hung out with him. It was cool. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's great. I, he's I love amazing guy. Play. He's yeah. incredible. Um, but um, yeah, so we got to see it a little bit. We spent maybe four days, five days in Sydney, a couple days in Melbourne, but like. You know, we didn't really play any shows, so I'd no. love to get over there. Yeah. I, I know we're, I know we're, there's talks of it actually happening. Good, um, that'd be great uh, next year. So yeah. it's just we'll see. No, I'd like, hopefully we we'll see get you out there again. Yeah, and, and worst case, worst case scenario, Kevin, it's you and Larry Golding's coming out as a duo, um, <laughs> oh, play, playing yeah. at the Opera House. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kevin, uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, really Absolutely. appreciate it, and uh, we'll definitely keep in touch. And there we have it. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did speaking with Kevin. What a guy. Um, I just cannot wait to see what he does in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and, yeah, do very much hope we catch up with Kevin when he's down under next as well. So, yeah, we cannot thank Kevin enough for his time. He's very generous on a Saturday night, and um, we certainly covered some ground there. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I'd like to just give a brief shout-out to our gold and silver sponsors, Mr. Brother Paul Brown from the Waterboys, who is still busily touring around the UK and Europe and kicking goals left, right, and centre musically. Brother Paul, thank you, sir. Um, Tammy Catcher from Tammy's Musical Stew, we couldn't do it without your ongoing support as well. Thank you so much. Uh, we have Radio Grande, a YouTube channel. YouTube channel? YouTube channel for um, those who like a bit of funk, and it's a funk reimagining of some great songs. So do search for Radio Grande on YouTube. Elk Electronic, for those Aussie listeners and viewers, um, Elk Electronic are an amazing synth repair um, and modular synth supplier and a whole bunch more. If you go to ELK Electronic, also with Ks.com, dot uh, au i think um you'll check out ed and the team there they are brilliant and last but not least by any means the musicplayer.com forums as i always say i've been a proud member there since uh, i think 2000 or 2001 and continue to frequent there and the reason i do is what a great community they have there so thank you to all our sponsors and again a huge thank you for listening and uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks we're coming very quickly up to our 100th episode we mentioned last episode Paul and I in our live stream that um, it could be one of the most amazing guests ever or one of the most ridiculous guests ever uh, we're still in the final throes of negotiating that but either way it should be a lot of fun so again thank you for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs>